Welcome to the Love Is Coming podcast, the must-listen show for single women struggling to attain or sustain a romantic relationship. I'm your host, Persia Lawson, author, speaker, and according to the Times Magazine, one of the UK's most successful love coaches. Before that, I was a serial cheat and obsessive love addict, but I'm now a bride-to-be and in the best relationship of my life. So, if you're trying to do the work on your love life, you are definitely in the right place. But here on the Love Is Coming podcast, we serve your education with a side of entertainment. Expect serious stuff talked about not so seriously, solo agony on episodes with yours truly, and guest episodes showcasing some of the best in the biz in ways you've never seen them before. So, got a dating dilemma? Swiping right but haven't yet found Mr. Right? then let's get raw, real, and a little bit inappropriate because love is coming for your baby in more ways than one. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Love is Coming podcast with me, your host, Persia Lawson, and breakup bestie, aka Kendra Allen. And we are going to be talking all about how to help women survive, heal, and eventually thrive through breakups to heal their broken hearts. This is what Kendra helps women to do. Kendra, I just want to say it's so lovely having you on. You are the other side of the world. Tell us, where are you right now? I am in Southern California. So very, very far from you right now. But that's the beauty of Zoom. The beauty of Zoom. It is morning, yes. So you do all sorts of amazing things to help women heal their heartbreak and move through it. You have a podcast, you do courses, your I, your Instagram is amazing. Um, I wish I'd had you around when I was going through it back in the day. And we actually have got a fair bit in common, um, I think, um, for me, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing now is absolutely because of the heartbreak that I went through. And it, it was a huge catalyst for not just changing my love life, but but my romance, uh, but sorry, my entire life as well. Yeah. So I would love to hear, how did you get into this work? What's your story? Yeah. Um, so it, yeah, it started because of a really, really bad breakup. But I think, you know, to kind of backtrack from that, I went through, I had a very rough relationship life in my like late teens, early, like mid twenties. Um, I was in a relationship with a narcissist for three years, um, and then got into a relation, like a string of relationships with emotionally unavailable men and really just kept hopping from person to person, trying to fix something within me obviously I did not know that at the time, but you know, hindsight being 2020, I can see that now. And around the same time as I was going through all of that, I also got sober. I struggled with drugs and alcohol for a lot of my, you know, late teens, early twenties. So I got sober and that was a really big catalyst for me because it's funny. I remember my dad saying, now that you're sober, maybe you'll meet a great guy, you know, cause I had just been with all these horrible, I bet in all these horrible relationships. And you know, what's funny is like, that didn't solve my relationship issues. Like I thought it would. And so I'm, I'm moving through sobriety. I'm moving through these relationships. I finally get into like my first really healthy relationship. And after a year and a half, he breaks up with me. And that was like my, that was the breakup that really sparked 
breakup bestie because it was such a healthy relationship because it was my first serious breakup sober where I didn't have anything else to reach for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had also done enough work on myself at that point to, to realize that I wasn't going to date my way out of this. I wasn't, obviously I wasn't going to drink my way out of this, but I couldn't, they're just, I couldn't do anything aside from like sit with this and figure it out. And I remember thinking like, man, when I got sober, there were so many resources for me to know how to do this. Mm. And when it comes to breakups, I feel really lost. I don't really know, like there's no step-by-step guide on how to go through a breakup. And so I really took, you know, I really dedicated like the next nine months of my life to healing from this breakup. So I talked to tons of women, um, not even for like research, just because I was like, what do, what do I do? You know, I like asked women who I know had been through divorces out for coffee. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to make it through the days. I can't stop crying. I don't know how, like I can't function. So over those next nine months, I really kind of gathered and I was a sponge. Like that's how I am. If I'm in pain, I will take any piece of advice you give me because I just don't want to feel that. So if someone said, read this book, try this journaling, um, write this down, I would do anything someone said. And once I got to the other side of that breakup, I started becoming the go-to friend in my friend group, I would say for breakup advice. And, um, you know, and then a few years later, as I was looking to make this career change, my now husband was like, what do you really like doing? And I was like, I was like, I really think I have this gift of helping people with breakups. I really do. And I started looking online and I'm like, there really isn't anything that's not, I don't know. I hate to say like things are healthy or or unhealthy, but I really couldn't find any like healthy breakup advice out there. It was all very like magic pill, get your ex back, Mm -hmm. um, how to get over your ex in 28 days, like just really clickbait gimmicky stuff. Mm -hmm. So I started my Instagram account in 2017 and then, you know, turned that into a blog. And I just thought like, I'll just try this and see if people like it and people liked it. So it, you know, transformed then into courses and a podcast and, and, you know, all the things that it's transpired into, but it really was me experiencing it and then seeing how many people have that same gap. Like breakups are one of the most universal things we'll go through. They're one of the hardest things we'll go through. And yet there's really little help out there for them. Oh my God. We're singing from the same hymn sheet. Like I I can't believe how much I resonate with what you shared and how similar our stories are actually. So I've got some more questions. Yeah. So how old were you when you got sober? I was 21. Oh, wow. Really? Young. Which, as you know, is like the drinking age here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I yeah. joked like I got cut off before I should have even gotten started. But. <laughs> I, do you know what? I should have probably got like my, my craziness 
was my early 20s, 100%. And whilst my parents um, were drug addicts and, you know, alcoholics oh, and really wow. struggled with that. But what I used as my way out was... But what I love, by the way, can I just say to everyone here, we, we don't know each other. We've, like, connected a bit online. Yes. But this is actually, like, I was like... We, we could like, I'm going to ask you questions now before we press record, but I'm going to then ask you again. So we're like getting to know each other on this podcast. It's like our first, date. it's essentially our first date. On it's this our podcast. first date. And welcome at anyone who's listening. You're, on, you're in on it with us. So, yes. so I, yeah. So my, my go-to were two things to deal with the, um, my parents' addiction, which it was boys and it was like being the best in like whatever, like it was, which then very soon, and this is what I've been dealing with this year has been, is work addiction because that's the thing that's like really held as like positive and like, oh, go you, you're just like a, a grafter and go-getter. But that's, that's for another podcast episode. But yeah, yeah but, but both of the, what both of those things had in common, it was like the validation and the attention and the like, you know, which I wasn't getting as a, as a child. And it was like, you're good enough, both of them. And it was escapism as well. It was like a way of numbing out. And so I was like you, I was just like relationship after relationship. And it was just, it was crazy. And then my early twenties, I ended up working in a strip club. It just, it was just chaos. So you were actually, you know, it is quite a rarity to have someone in their early twenties who's actually doing that internal work on themselves when what point was your yeah. relationship the big breakup um so that big breakup happened when I was 24 right 24 so it was three years uh yeah three years into my sobriety mm-hmm. I you know went through that breakup and what was interesting is that person was the person we were doing a lot of the like internal work together so Mm. we felt you know it felt like really bonded and like we're learning about each other like we're learning about ourselves we're also learning about each other Mm. so it was it was this very deep intense Mm -hmm. kind of um kind of relationship and yeah it it I do feel so lucky that I got to go through so many of those things really early out of, you know, pure necessity. And I recorded a podcast episode last year. I was like, I really want to record a podcast episode on the similarities between getting sober and going through a breakup. And it was just like an idea that I had. And I started writing and I was like, there are so many similarities. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I pull so much of the stuff I learned from sobriety um, into breakups because not only do a lot of people get addicted to their partners. Like I really think partners can be like drugs to people. Um, but also like then letting go of them and like the detox process and all the things that I had to go through to start learning how to live my life without drugs or alcohol. You have to do the same thing when you're learning how to live your life without your partner. Yeah. God, it's so nuts. Okay. So, so I met, no, I actually knew like you. So were you, were you in, did you meet your guy in recovery, the breakup, the big breakup? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I'd known mine, the guy that was like the one that turned it all around that I wrote my first book on basically. I'd known him since I was 15, but we got together when I was 25 and everyone was a bit like, what? Like it was, it was quite random. Um, but it was exactly what you'd said. It's like, 
I had just, like literally the January, I'd worked in that strip club, been sexually assaulted in 2010. 2010 was my year of just being a shit show. And then, <clears throat> apologies, some people listening to this will already know this, but I just want to give you a bit of context. And yeah. then I, um, I, my long story short, went to Thailand with my dad. He said, he, he just said something that completely changed my life. And I got into Al-Anon for friends and family of addicts and alcoholics. And I also soon got into SLA for sex and love addicts. Cause I, exactly what you said, I was like, I have got an issue here. And I'm sure you've read women who love too much. Like that was the book that like completely changed my life. But what, when we got together, it was, I was definitely not ready to be in a relationship, but he was six months out of rehab and I was had just started recovery. And so for, for me, and for him, that was progress because we were looking at this stuff and it was, like you said, it was intense and it was deep and neither of us were ready because it was our first year of recovery, but it was new and it was exciting and he was sober. Um, I wasn't sober, but I was definitely not like dabbling in, like, in, this, in the way that I used to. And it's really interesting, like the, I, I've had quite a few clients who've had a similar thing and, and it can be like, because you're, you're you're approaching it in many ways in a healthier way like what that that relationship was only a year but my god it was like the most it felt like it could have been a decade for how transformative it was for me yeah so I'm interested to know and this is what I know a lot of people will be asking and if I'd listened to this years ago I would have I would have wanted to know this as well so okay you were like 24 when you went through that breakup and then you mentioned you have a husband. Like, what happened then? So you're sober, yeah. you're through this breakup. What happened then? Yeah, it's actually a very crazy story. So first thing I want to say is I literally wish I could recommend every single one of my clients to go to Al-Anon. Even if you don't have a family that's an addict or an alcoholic, mm-hmm. Al-Anon has saved my ass. Yeah, <laughs> I will oh say it's God. like... Yeah. Oh my God. It's... um. Yeah, it's... I agree. I'm considered... I'm considered like a double winner because I'm yeah. in, I'm in both, but I um yeah no I wow. wish everyone could go down. <laughs> yes. It's like the most life saving thing. Um, so what happened after that? So I go through this breakup. I'm sober for I'd I'm or I'm sober. I'm single. <laughs> I'm single for a year. I'm dating here and there, but for the most part, I'm single. Um. And I start dating another guy who I'd also met in recovery, um, super nice guy. And he was the first person. Cause I finally, through all these things, I finally learned, like, I tend to attract people that are emotionally unavailable and don't want to commit. Cause that mm-hmm. was why my last breakup happened. He said, I don't want to get married. Mm-hmm. And I knew he didn't want to get married, but I stayed with him anyway. So I kept doing things like that. So this was like the first person where I was like, do you see marriage in your future? Like I like, I was like, I'm not effing around anymore. <laughs> like I'm asking in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so I start dating this guy. He's a great guy. He, you know, commits to me early on, like does all the right things. So I'm with him for eight months. I want to say, um, and the relationship's great, but it's not, it's not, you know, when you're in a relationship, you're like, this looks great on paper, but it's just not doing it for me. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, so that's what's happening there, but it's, but I'm like, he's, he commits like by all means, this should be great. So I go to a friend's wedding that I hadn't seen. So, and I know my ex is going to be there. The one that broke up with me. 
I know he's going to be there. The guy I'm with can't go to this wedding. So I go by myself, go to this wedding. I see my ex for the first time. And it's actually, it's actually like a really pleasant experience. I actually like pulled him aside and kind of made amends to him. And I basically said, like, I'm sorry for trying to turn you into something that you weren't. Um, you like, I really respect that you ended things with me because you were being honest. And we just had like this really nice exchange. I felt, I felt like total closure, leave the wedding. Three weeks later, I get an email from the ex and he says, it was great to see you at the wedding. I have something that I really need to, to tell you. Do you mind, like, would you be open to getting coffee? And as anyone in recovery knows, like amends is a big part of the program. So in my mind, I'm thinking he wants to make amends to me because I made one to him at the wedding. He didn't really say anything back. Um, so I go and meet him for coffee and I tell the guy that I'm with like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go do this. Um, and basically at that coffee meeting, my ex gives me this like four page letter that basically outlines all this work he's done in the last year and a half that we've been broken up. Um, he walks through like why he didn't want to get married, how his mind has changed, all these things. And basically says like, I'm in love with you. I want to be with you. <laughs> I realized this at the wedding. Um, and I like take in all this information. Um, I don't say anything at the time. I just say like, thank you for sharing this with me. I obviously have a lot to think about. And, um, I took three days, um, and ended up breaking up with the guy I was with and Luke and I were engaged six months later. So hold on, hold yeah. the bloody phone. So the guy who was the breakup guy yeah. is the guy that's now your husband. Yeah. I'm so happy that I'm I'm finding <laughs> this out like live on air. That is amazing. That is so I didn't see that on your website. That's an amazing story. And especially as like, oh, this is this is so beautiful because I've just written this book that's come out, and you know, why I'm a love coach now, why I do what I do is is essentially the relationship that I have now and how we met was like unbelievably magical, but it wasn't the, I mean, in ways it could have been the fantasy, but because I've been doing the work and how I showed up and all of that, like it, it sort of, I'd really come full circle. And, and the funniest mm. thing is that my fiance is now best friends with the guy who broke up with me. He's an usher at our wedding. They met when I was, <laughs> our book had just come out. I was speaking at wilderness festival where I'd met my fiance the year before and they met while I was speaking I was like this is and they like got on like a house of it was just insane so I had this like really crazy story in synchronicity and yours is I think to be honest it might it might top mine <laughs> that is yeah amazing. I it's it's very and it's interesting I don't I typically only like talk about it when I have a solid chance to talk about it right because I can't tell you how many times I've told that story and like people have been like, oh, this gives me so much hope that I'm going to end yeah, up with my, with ex. my ex. And I'm yes, like, yes, yes. I'm like, honestly, the ex part is, is actually like kind of voided out because the whole, yes. the, like the, that's not the moral of the story. Like the moral yes. of the story is you heal from a breakup, you work on yourself, you do all the work and then the right person steps in. For me, yes. the right person just happened to be my ex. Um, but like, 
I have no doubt that if I had continued to do the work, if it wasn't my ex, like whoever the right person was, um, would have stepped in. It's so true that like, it is I can totally understand why you've got to be careful there because because I would have I would have gone well she's with her ex so it must yeah. be and it, do you know what's interesting I don't know if you know this Gabby Bernstein that's the same with her is that it was her and her boyfriend broke up she she surrendered oh, the relationship she let go and then she went and um just focused on herself and did all the healing and then like I don't know how long later it might have even been a year or even longer he came back into her life very similar to your story actually I didn't realize that and I know create the love Mark Groves him and his ex have the same story too where they like ended up coming back together yeah wow yeah so um yeah and I tell people like we didn't because we didn't talk we didn't see each other or talk or text like nothing was exchanged Mm -hmm. for a year and a half Mm-hmm. nothing. Um, and I had, I tell, like, I tell the story where when Luke reached out to me, I came up with like 10 different scenarios of what I thought he wanted to talk to me about, including like, he was really sick. Like I had so many, and none of, not one of the things I thought about was he's going to say he's in love with me. Not one. Mm-hmm. I had one friend that was like, what if he wants to t- get back together? I'm like, <laughs> No, you know, I was like, it was nowhere on my radar. (laughs) Yeah. How interesting. And that, that just goes to show. And I know we'll get into that because I think we, yeah, we very much sim from the same hymn sheet, Kendra. Um, So, okay. Why are breakups so bloody hard? Ooh, I mean, so I think the, I think generally losing someone you love is really hard. Um, Just like the act of, talking to someone every day, potentially living with someone, sharing a life with someone. And then all of a sudden, I think the suddenness is really hard. Like on a Monday, you're with your person. And then on a Tuesday, you're alone. Like it's that part. I think it's very traumatic, that whole process. grief, isn't it? Yeah. The grief is really traumatic. The suddenness, a lot of most breakups happen... Um, most people can't see breakups coming. Um, I think the other reason they're so hard is, and this is why breakups are so different between different people is they tend to, um, poke at whatever insecurity and wounds that you already have, whether it be from childhood, past relationships, just personal insecurities. Like if, you know, I'll speak from my own experience, like I struggled a lot with self-esteem and not feeling good enough. And so anytime I went through a breakup, I was like, look, this is proof that I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it really taps into these deep-seated wounds, which is also the beautiful part about breakups. They give us the motivation to start really working on those because they're activated and we can heal them. Um, But yeah, and I mean, most of the time someone, it's like losing a partner, a best friend, like a roommate. There's just partners become so many roles for us and we just, they just get wiped out and you basically just have to act like this person is a stranger, but like in the course of 48 hours. Mm, It's so true. It's just, it's the shock of it. It really is. And and it's almost, I know, I don't want to say it's harder than than someone dying because that, you know, but What's, what I found really hard was like, but with death, I wouldn't have a choice, but like we are choosing, like, why are we choosing this pain when we, we could just be yeah. together? 
because yes. I'm, obsessed with you. <laughs> I'm obsessed with you and I need you like bloody air. Um, it is, you're right. It's so, so traumatic. And you've already touched on this. Like I, I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for that breakup. And I would listen, I would never have chosen it, but I've seen, I've coached so many women through breakups and seen these like utter in, insane transformations. And then how they, as I said earlier, like it's not just that they it improves their romantic life and they go on to meet their dream person, whatever, but it's like who they become if they choose mm -hmm. to go into, like you said, go into the pain and heal that old shit that just comes up that we don't want to look at unless it's like we don't have a choice because it's so horrific. Like when I was in the depths of heartbreak, I was like, I have two choices. I either kill myself, which I'm not going to do, even though I really want to, or I, I heal this shit. Like I cannot go through this again. Like I can't yeah, go yeah. through it in this way. So can you speak a little bit more around what, like, into that, what, what the purpose of breakups is or can be for us? Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, this is a very enjoyable question for me to answer because I think so many people would say like the purpose of breakups is just, is pain and there's no, there's no purpose. It's just awful. Um, I think the purpose of a breakup is first of all, to, spotlight some of those wounds that you've been carrying for a long period of time. Um, I think it serves as a great spotlight and a great mirror to what are some unhealthy relationship patterns that you might have. I've seen so many people um, discover their codependency when they're coming out of a breakup and finally being able to work on that and heal that. I think breakups are a tremendous opportunity to like touch base with yourself and regain your identity. This especially goes for people that tend to really lose themselves in relationships, which is, which is my story. Um, but I think even if you're not someone that does that of just really looking at yourself of like, who am I? What do I like? Um, what do I enjoy? What are my goals? It's so easy just to get wrapped up in someone else's stuff when you're in a relationship. So it's a great opportunity to rediscover yourself in that way. And um, I also think I say like, we get, we get like some serious balls when we're going through a breakup, you know, it's like, we have the guts to like change jobs, change. It's like where you see so many people like move, change jobs, change their hair, like do things. And, you know, I guess some of that is not necessarily like the healthiest, but for a lot of people, it's really just like, I've always wanted to do this. I'm going to do it now. Like the first time I went, I remember like I booked a trip to London. I'd always wanted to go to London. I'm like, after the breakup, I'm like, screw, why would I not do it? Yeah. Um, so I think it gives yeah. us these, these guts um, to do things that maybe we have been holding ourselves back from. So I think there are so many purpose driven reasons um, or benefits to go to going through a breakup um, because whether we like it or not, humans are really motivated by pain. Yeah. We can be motivated by like goals, but I think for the most part, like when it comes down to it, the thing that gets us up out of bed, like doing like journaling in the morning, meditating, going to exercise, like all these things, usually it's pain. Mm, yeah, I agree. Pain is a great, um, driver in so many ways. And, and it is, it's like you are saying, like my way of dealing with pain, well, traumatic pain from childhood that I hadn't dealt with or, or just pain in the moment was always like 
on to the next. And like men were my drug of choice. It was the easiest way to change how I felt. And I remember the time when it's like, it's not working anymore. Like I'm not even getting the highs. And so mm-hmm. I don't have a choice. Like I either, as I said, either kill myself or I work through this stuff because it's only getting worse and worse and worse. And it's not yet. It's not even worth it. So I want to get really practical because what I love about your, excuse me, I'm going to cough, <coughs> remnants of COVID that I had. Um, yeah. Weeks ago. So um, I love how practical your Instagram page is. Um, and the tips and the, like just the all the content you share. So I'm going to ask some like more practical stuff now. So I always get asked this: What do we? What do you do in like the first week or month of a hot, of of a breakup? Because that's when it's. I mean, the first month. I always just say people like strap in. The first month's gonna yeah. gonna not lie. It's gonna be hell, but you will get through it if you do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, gosh, in the beginning, it's. I think sometimes we get really focused on being um, like intentional and productive with everything. Like I throw intentional and productive like out the window in the first week and month. Um, Your goal in the first week and month is to like survive, you know, is to like be able to go to work. Um, I mean, for me, I'm like such a big fan on just leaning on your support system. I think that's the biggest thing is like, you got to let your friends know what's going on and, and don't let your ego get in the way. I don't care what the circumstances, I don't care if your friends told you to break up with this person a hundred times, like go to your friends and say, I'm dying right now. Like I need you guys. I need you guys right now. Um, and asking like, can you come over, um, can you talk to me on the phone? Like asking for specifically what you need. My friends are the ones that like held me up in the beginning of a breakup. Um, and two, like distractions. I think distractions are something that get a really bad rap, but like they're there for a reason. They're coping skills to help us until, because the thing is like, you can't deal with the pain right away. It's too big. It's too massive. It's you like, you got to get a little bit of distance before you can start like the healing work. I think journaling's great, but like, I wouldn't, you know, go to a therapist and say like, let's get into this like right mm-hmm. away. Cause it's just too massive. It's too massive of a, of a thing to deal with. So I tell people like, eat the foods you want to eat, like do the kind of, if you're like into exercising, like do the things that you like doing, mm-hmm. um, watch the shows you like to watch, like just cater to whatever you feel like, um, because that's, what's going to help you do the things you don't feel like doing, like going to work and like still having to function. Yeah. I guess within reason, I mean, what, what, because obviously, and I know this from my own experience, it's so painful straight away that my, I'd be like, I want to go and get drunk and I want to fuck someone. Yeah. Quite frankly, yeah. I want, I, I, and, and that obviously wasn't the best advice for myself and I learned that eventually so how do we I guess that that isn't the other side of it how do we not do those things how do we not hide and numb out in things that are not going to help yeah um no it's a really good question I was actually just writing this to someone in my dms but it's kind of the point that you just said like you like you figured that out eventually like you may go out with friends and go out to bars and then have like a night or so where you're like, oh, this doesn't 
or you have a night where like you want to call your ex or maybe you do call your ex. Um, some of this is going to be like trial and error as much as I like to have people focus on healthy coping skills. Um, it's not, I also don't want people to be like super strict unless, you know, they're like you or I, you know, where I like, can't, where I can't drink. Um, but I was telling someone this story of like, after my last breakup, I went through this phase where I was like, I just need to sleep with someone. Like I literally just want a one night stand. Like I was like, I don't, I, that's all I want. Mm -hmm. And so I did, um, you know, this guy that I like had this crush on for a really long time, slept with him and he left my house and I just instantly started sobbing. Um, and it's not because the experience was bad. Like it was a totally fine experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I just remember being like, fuck, this doesn't work. This doesn't work anymore. Like this doesn't help me. Um, and it was just such a valuable lesson. Like I didn't shame myself for having a one night stand. Like all I did was say, okay, Kendra, like this is just not a coping skill that works. So there might be, there's going to be some trial and error of like stuff that works. I've had people that said like, I learned early on that I can't, that I drinking doesn't help me because it increases my anxiety. It increases my depression. Um, so there might have to be some things where you're like, where you try it, it doesn't go well. And then you kind of like backtrack and and figure out what is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. It's just inquiry. And we all know we're like, I think the one thing you can allow yourself to indulge in is like you said, like you're allowed some ice cream and balance, you know, you can, you can eat whatever you want because I mean, do you know what? The one time that I couldn't eat other than COVID, um, the COVID diet is a real thing, by the way. It's like, yeah. I was like, the last time I felt like this was like literally heartbreak. I couldn't eat for a week. I lost about gone at least 10 pounds, if not a stone in a week. And, well, it was and so probably weird. you can't even, I mean, you couldn't even taste it either. Right. Yeah. No, no, that was so that COVID, but I'm saying when I was oh yeah breakup, yeah, like I just was like, this is really bad because I can never not eat. It's so strange. So it's like if you just have what you want and li- and like listen to your body and and yeah, I mean, you know what we uh, uh, we know that having a one night stand probably is not going to be a great idea. But I I had to do it, and I like you was like, well, that was shit, and like did that didn't yeah. do what I thought it would do or hoped it would do. And, but that actually showed me how far I'd come because once upon a time, I could just jump into something else. And Mm -hmm. I was too, because I'd had that relationship where I'd, you know, was doing such deep work in it. And it was, God, it was like the highest of highs, that relationship and the lowest of lows. It was like torturous in so many ways. But I, it's like, I was too far. I was too healthy for that old shit. Yes. That I had the same thing where I was like, okay, I've healed out of this because that used to be a very big coping skill for me is to sleep with someone else. Um, and I was like, okay, this doesn't work. It sucks, but like, I gotta be, you know, I gotta be, um, proud of it in, in some ways. So, yeah. So in the beginning, it's literally just how can you structure your day to make it through? So like, I tell people like have a positive, like morning routine. I don't care if it's five minutes, but like put on some good mute, like put on some uplifting music, make your coffee, like the way you want to make it, um, dance around. Even if you don't feel like it, like do the, like literally just try to pack in your day with as many things and, and get really busy. I mean, last year was, 
And I know it depends on like where people are in the world, but um, last year was so gnarly because we just had to stay home. Um, And, you know, I had to alter a lot of my advice in that way, but I think now, like whatever you can plan, I tell people like become a yes person um, Mm -hmm. when you're going through a breakup. If someone says, do you want to come to this? I I don't care if you don't want to go, like just, just say yes. Unless it's something where like your ex is going to be there, but try to put yourself out there as much as possible with friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's just, it's just getting in that, um, I I was fine. So the first month, like I couldn't do anything. And it was like you said, survival. The second month was where I could start saying yes to things. And and I was still having waves of like hell, but I started to see these possibilities and like, oh, maybe like, like glimpses of like how amazing life could be. And then third month, it was like, I felt, I don't think I've ever had a high like it, it weirdly. The third month after a breakup, if you're doing the deep work around it, it's like you get a release because you are, oh God, my dog is bloody scratching. Reggae, go away. (laughs) So, so naughty. Um, Yeah, you get just a new lease on life. And it's, you know, I've I've seen this with so many clients and friends as well when they've chosen to kind of, I guess, take the road less traveled and and to use this as an experience and an opportunity for growth and, and major healing. Um, amazing. Okay. So I, uh, I have a few more of similar type things like, okay, yeah. break up the breakup makeup, merry-go-round, which is something we've all oh, yeah. done. And yeah. I see so many people like torturing themselves with that. And I'm, um, you know, in your story, you had the breakup and you didn't speak, you, you know, you didn't speak and you went off and you let that relationship go. And um, which is, you know, really healthy way to end it. And how, how um, not end, yeah, end it. How, how differently would that have been if you had kept seeing each other and getting, you know, that whole cycle? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I can guarantee we wouldn't be married. Mm-hmm. Like pretty well guaranteed. Because the thing is like, it's so interesting. When I started thinking about starting Breakup Bestie, I started noticing like I would help all of my friends through breakups and then they would just just, like get back together with their ex like in like a couple of weeks. And I'm like, this is frustrating. This is really frustrating frustrating. to watch. Yeah. Um, And, and yeah, no, if we, if Luke and I had continued to talk, because the thing is like the longer you talk about a breakup with the person you broke up with, Mm. the messier it's going to get. Yeah. The more it's going to get like, and the thing, and, and what I tell people, you're going to talk, then you're going to hang out, then you're going to sleep together. That's yeah, just what's going to happen. Like you, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Like it's, it's not, it wouldn't be a shocker to me if my friend who was talking to my, her ex and then seeing her ex and then called me and was like, we slept together. I'd be like, yeah, of course. Because of course it's exciting and it's dramatic and it's naughty. You shouldn't do it. And then it's like, yeah. And then you're, yeah, all, no. then you're back in it. Yeah. I asked, um, I asked my followers, like, what does it feel like to go in that cycle of breaking up and getting back together? And someone put like a burning pile of trash. <laughs> like people, it, Cause it feels, it's so, the highs are so high. The lows are so low. Um, but all it does, and I've talked to so many people where they've done that for three months, six months, a year. And they're like, we end up breaking up for the exact same reason yep. that we did the first time. Like nothing changes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm such a big fan of the no contact rule. Yeah, I think the no contact rule prevents these really cyclical up and down mm-hmm. breakups. Cause you're just like, all right, the relationship's done, right? 
okay, we're cutting, like we're cutting ties now. We're not going to risk getting into all this messy stuff. I agree. I am so all about the no contact rule, which I fucking hated when I first did it. But, (laughs) and and you will, the first month you'll hate it. But again, you've got the, the way that I dealt with it was like, I have to realize this is me detoxing. I, I am an addict to this relate like the, the the physical things it would bring up the men the obsession all of it I was like if I keep like I've, I've seen it with addicts like you can't you can't have it both ways you can't be picking it up and then oh it's, it's like no you you are just delaying the inevitable so it's like if you can get if you can get through that first month and you can have things set up like literally whatever you need to do to make sure that you don't contact and, but what's, okay, ah, another angle on this. Really interestingly, and I've had a client go through this recently, but I've seen, I had this in my own life. I've seen this in so many people's lives. When you are able, particularly as the woman to go, no, please do not contact me. That is my boundary. Like I, I need to like, I, I can't have any contact with you. It's always around three weeks in that the guy seems to reach out because suddenly you become unavailable and like respectful and they and they don't know where you are and and you become this sort of mystery woman again have you experienced that before so yeah I I mean I definitely see that with clients um but I also like to tell people if you didn't hear from your ex it doesn't necessarily like mean you're any less because I just remember someone telling me like watch your ex is going to come back after like three months. Mm -hmm. And I remember like taking note of the date when he said that. And then three months passed and I hadn't heard from him. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, like, so I think, yes, I see it a lot where people try to argue. I mean, some people are boundary pushers. That's just, that's just like in their nature, unfortunately, like they're not really respectful of boundaries. So it's inevitable that sometimes when you set boundaries, someone's going to push back on them and they're going to test you. They're going to test to see like how strong you are in these. Um, and, and then, yeah, there are some people who probably like who never end up hearing from their ex. And I tell people like, if I had to choose, if I went through a breakup and I had to choose between my ex continuing to try to like reach out and maintain contact or if they just like literally blocked me and and left um I would choose the block and left yeah because as nice as it feels to your ego it's actually it's so detrimental to your emotional health yes and your mental health because the obsession and and it's it goes back to it's that like short-term fix isn't it yeah so <clears throat> you can go you get like you see the message you go oh and you get that hit of thing. And it's like, oh, it must mean yeah. this, all this meaning on it. But yes. like you said, inevitably, it's like this person, you've had a breakup for a reason. And like anything here, the contact is just a short-term hit that when you're going through that pain, is it is like taking, you know, not that I've done crack, but I can imagine it probably feels yeah. quite similar. <laughs> like it feels so good. And it's like the adrenaline rushes through you. But ultimately, it's not going to serve you because even if you are one of the, and I'm really going to stress this, very, 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 very rare cases like you, Kendra, where you do get back and you had obviously dealt with it in a really healthy way. By the way, I just think um, Sex in the City has so much to answer for because I I can't tell how many people of women have gone to me, but maybe he's my Mr. Big. I'm like... 
He's not your Mr. Big because that's yeah. that's not real. Um, when does that ever happen? He doesn't just suddenly go good. Like, no. Yeah, um, yeah. that's what but, I tell people. Like, I'm the exception to the rule. I'm yeah, not the rule. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's so, so rare that that happens. Um, what was my point with that? So, yeah, like, even, okay, so even if that is the case, like with your story, it was a year and a half later, which means that both of you had done some deep work separately, so it wasn't codependent. So if they're contacting you in three weeks, they're not going to be ready. No. And no, they're definitely ready. not. No one can change in three weeks. I can I can guarantee that. No one can change in three weeks. And And exactly, you're right. Like, I even think if you're continuing to stay in contact with your ex with the hopes of maybe you guys get back together, you're completely depriving yourself of the full benefits of, of healing through a breakup. Because if I'm going to therapy after a breakup, like I'm probably just talking about the ways that I want to fix myself so I can get back together with him. I'm not just like willingly and openly going through the healing process with whatever I like whatever I encounter and whatever is going to serve me. Mm -hmm. I'm literally tailoring all of it to trying to get him back. Yeah. Oh my God. And I've been there. (laughs) And I, do you know what, like what really helped me with the no contact thing and particularly in that first month is like, I just say to clients, whatever gets you through. And I said to myself, the only way I'm going to do this is because I will be down. Like he broke up with me. He had cheated on me before. Like all of this shit, which we're coming to next, the cheating. But um, I am going to have this one thing where I handle this breakup so gracefully, so maturely, so exquisitely. And I will never forget. And I can't remember how long it was. We we actually bumped into each other at like a friend's um, like band thing or something. And, and, and he knew I was going to be there and he shouldn't have come. But... He said to me, he was like, I am so like, you've handled this so well. Like, and he was like really like amazed by me. And I knew I was healthy enough that I wasn't going to be going back to him or anything like that. But I'll be honest, like, I was like, I'm going to take that. Like that just gave me that bit of, you know, it wasn't solely why I was doing it, but I, I really like that felt really good to me. So if whatever gets you through in that early, you know, weeks, if it, if like you have to do what I did and just say like, I'm going to have my grace and dignity if nothing else through this experience, that's what I'm going to do. What do you think? I always, yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And I always like to tell this, this was like the turning point for me with no contact. Um, he broke up with me like two weeks before his birthday and I really wanted to text him on his birthday. Um, and I did that thing, you know, you do that thing where you like call all your friends and just yep. call until someone tells you it's okay to yeah. do it. <laughs> Oh my God. All you the find time. like the one week link who's like, yeah, I think that's fine. I'm like, yeah, it is fine. Even yeah, though 10 yeah. people told me it was a horrible idea. Um, but one of actually Luke and I's mutual friend, I was talking to him about it and he was like, he's like, Kendra, it's just not a good idea. And I was like, why? I don't get it. Like, why is it not a good idea? And he said, what would, what's, what would, what do you want him to say? when you text him, if you say happy birthday, like what's the only thing you'd be happy with if he said, and I was thinking like, I miss you. Like I made a horrible mistake. I want to get back together. 
And he was like, yeah, of course. And he's like, what do you think he's gonna say? Mm. And I was like, he'll probably say thanks yeah, or nothing or just leave it. Um, and he's like, how are you going to feel? And I'm like, I'm going to feel like shit. Mm. Like, I'm going to feel like total shit. Like I'm, my expectations are going to be so far from met and I'm going to feel worse. And so ever since like, that was the turning point for me to be like, it's not worth it. It's just never worth it. Mm. Oh God. I so agree. Oh, so agree. Okay. So cheats, cheating, betrayal. Oh God. That's a whole other bloody layer. What have you got to say about that? How do you deal with that? Yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing if you're going through a breakup that has to do with cheating is like as difficult as it is, you have to depersonalize it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the place you want to get to is to realize that people typically don't necessarily cheat because the person that they're with is lacking, Mm. they typically cheat because something within themselves is lacking. Yes. I can tell you that for free because I, I, my old story was, I mean, I I cheated on every boyfriend I ever had. I was completely addicted to it. And that boyfriend in my mid twenties that I wrote the book about was he cheated on me and it's exactly what I needed because I didn't realize, I know it sounds ridiculous. Of course, cheating is not a good thing to do. But yeah. I was so numb and so fucked up that like, I was just trying to feel, I was, I mean, I was just, I didn't, exactly what you said. I was never thinking about the person I was with. I was just running away from everything. And it and it was my drug of choice, like that adrenaline, that high, that this is naughty, you know? So yeah. it, it's, it, it's so true because it's, but when when it happens to you and you're cheated on, like you said, it's like that story of I'm not good enough. It's so hard to not go down that route. Yeah. And I I saw this thing online where it was like, it listed off like all of these like really famous people that had been cheated on. And it was like the world's top supermodels, like the wealthiest people in the world. It's like, what are you going to say? Like, they, they cheated on him because she wasn't pretty enough. Like, no, she's a fucking supermodel. Like it, it really doesn't. And in your case, like it didn't matter who you were with. It was something you had to solve within you. So, and I know it's a really hard thing to come to terms with and it's okay to have like, to go down that rabbit hole of I'm not, I'm not good enough. Like whatever feelings are going to come up, but as long as you can eventually get to that place where you're like, this wasn't me this was them. Um, I'm, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. Like I'm whole and complete as is. I think we can always learn from experiences and look back and say, okay, were there any like red flags that could maybe indicate it wasn't the best relationship or best fit, but it's not through the lens of blaming yourself. It's just like, okay, now that I'm on the other side, let's productively reflect back and see what we can learn moving forward yeah absolutely and on the other side of that the next step is because so the guy that cheated on me he had che- so he cheated on me like three months into our relationship which is always what I would do because three months it was like oh well the honeymoon's over or like starting to be over and it's starting to get a bit serious so I cheat as an escape route and that's exactly what he did it was like dating myself it was horrific and um and then when we then we got eventually got back together. I did loads of deep work, and and then it, we got like he came back. He he'd been away on the commune like this big pilgrimage thing, and then 
he came back and we eventually got together and he was desperate because I was so strong and he was like, <gasps> you know, wanted that. And eventually I was like, okay, because there was something in me that wasn't quite done. And I did, you know, continue to do a load more deep work in, in that relationship, but it just soon became clear like this is, this can't work, but it was so hard to let it go. Even though it's like, I never saw a future with this guy, but it's because of what he represented. He was so linked to what, like my trauma from the past, that it was so hard to let it go. And um, he basically ended up, when we broke up, it was the beginning of May, I'll never forget it, literally a decade ago. And he ended up moving, like I'd been like living with him in a group of people, like not like I was acting and I was doing a play and, um, in this like warehouse in East London. And then I moved out and two weeks later, he moved the girl that he t- had cheated on me with back in. Mm. And so I realized I was like, it took me a, like actually even like a few years to be like, Persia, you know, cheating. He was like, there was more, way more going on for way longer than you know. And like, they were definitely having this whole thing behind my back. And it was just like, horrific so how do you deal with when not you don't just go through a breakup and like they've cheated and maybe it was a one-night stand but it's like they've actually left you for someone else it's I mean it's tough and I want to make sure I say this like I think it's important to validate all your feelings that come along with it and I don't like to be like the toxic positivity kind of person and but the first thing again to remember is like, it wasn't because you were lacking anything. It was because like, honestly, at the end of the day, it's because you guys were not meant to be together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if someone does that, it's, I, t- I take the same stance with ghosting. Um, it's simply because like, it means that's not your person. Like, it's just like very clear indication that that's not your person if that was your person, that's not how, what would have happened, you know? Um, so it's really just like the universe or whatever you believe in, um, excusing that person from your life. Um, and just remembering that like, this doesn't make sense now. Um, it might not make sense in a month, but like at some point, like it's all going to make sense, whether it's when you meet, the person that you end up with, like where you're like, oh my gosh. Like if you look back, if especially if you're someone that's been through different relationships, like think back to like your first relationship and say like, what would have happened if I married them? Or like, what would my life look like if I was with them? And I always just laugh because I'm like, oh my God, it would be such a disaster. All of those like relationships that ended were protecting you from ending up with that person. And so just remembering like at some point, this whole thing is going to make sense. And I don't want to tell someone who just got like cheated on, like everything happens for a reason because that's not helpful. Um, But just knowing that like this will make sense at some point, um, you're allowed to have all of your feelings that go along with it and experience that betrayal. Um, But all it's doing is like really showing you that this isn't your person and your person is out there. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of people out there, my dog is now scratching on the door. (laughs) He just nightmare. Um, Okay. So this is a question that comes up a lot. How do you know when you're ready to start dating again? Yeah. Um, No, it's a, it's a good question. So I think like as a follow-up question I get a lot is um, 
do you, do I have to be completely over my ex to start dating again? The answer to that I think is no. Um, I think actually the final part of healing from an ex actually takes place when you're dating mm -hmm. because you can do all of this healing, like in your little cave. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can do as much as you think is possible, but it's not until you go out and start interacting with dates that mm -hmm. you might have some spotlight shown on some places that have yet to be healed. So mm -hmm. I think you don't have to be completely over your ex. The like question is, are you using this? Like, are you using dating as a way to escape your heartbreak? If you are, it's too early. Yeah. Um, if you're like genuinely excited about the people that you're going to meet and like the experiences that you're going to have, that's a great attitude to go into it. One of the questions I tell people, like what happens, how are you going to feel if your date doesn't go well? If you're going to be like broken, devastated, and if that one date's like a symbol of your future love life, I don't think you're ready. Um, if you can just be like a bad date's a bad date and it's going to happen, then that's like a great attitude to go into it. But if you think like, if you don't see anyone that's good, if that in your mind is like, oh, I'm done, I'm hopeless, I'm never going to find someone because of one bad date or there aren't, you're not seeing people right away on the dating apps. Like you're, it's too early for you to start dating. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and my thing was, yeah, I would, this is even when I got healthier after that breakup is like, I could then do three months. And then, because as I said, three months, I start feeling amazing again. And so I would inevitably attract people in, but I wasn't ready for a relationship. I was ready to flirt. Like it's, it's thinking there's different stages. Like, you know, I was ready to flirt and have a bit of a, but the, the thing is, I, I would then find it so hard to not fall into something. And that was my pattern. And yeah. so I would say to clients, it's like, you've got to look at, I mean, I remember there's this quote in Sex and the City. It's like, it takes you half the amount of time to get over someone. as like a yeah, half yeah. the amount you're with them. And I, I've always been like, I, I need like measurements. I need like clarity. I need it to be crystal clear. I, I often say, look, if you've had a big relationship, you're probably not going to be ready for another big relationship for at least a year like if you if yeah. you need something around it but it doesn't mean that in that year you don't do a bit of dating and you don't have a bit of a flirt yeah, and yeah. you know even like I had a few small flings um one of them being the first one I had I like I knew it wasn't gonna be anything serious it was just a little bit of a summer thing but even that like you know it stopped feeling good after a month you know I was like mm, I don't know about this so it's just yeah. it's using your intuition really isn't it I think partly it is and if you're someone that has a really like you've never been able to be alone like take the time to be alone yeah. I it you know it really depends like if you're someone that you're like I know I use relationships to escape you should probably take a little bit longer of a pause mm -hmm. if you've never been single be single you yeah. know take that time to be single so it really depends I know people always want like a number of months or like a specific amount of time. And, you know, and as frustrating as it is, like the answer is it depends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So, okay, we're coming into the, <coughs> excuse me, I need to sip of water. <coughs> this bloody dog literally outside crying. <laughs> I can't hear him. So that's good. Oh, that's good. I hope, I hope no one else can. He makes me feel like a terrible mother sometimes. So, um, okay. The home straight questions. What love life advice would you give to your 15-year-old self, Kendra? Oh, wow. That's such a good question. Um, 
I would say, um, don't rush. Like, don't rush. I think I got into a lot of relationships because I thought I was supposed to be in one. Um, don't rush. There's like no timeline on it. And then I think the biggest thing is like, start out being yourself. Um, I, I was such a chameleon in relationships for so long and like really wasn't myself. And then at some point I would inevitably like want to be myself because Mm. (laughs) that's who I am. And it would, the person would be like, who's, who's this, you know, it was Mm. like, just start off being yourself. And if someone doesn't like that, like move on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's one of those lessons. It often takes such a long time to learn. It certainly did me. Um, Oh, I love this question. What's one thing you don't want people to know about you? Ooh, interesting honestly I think I think I don't like that I I still struggle a ton with insecurity and the reason I I think is because I promote like doing all of this work and working on self-esteem and confidence um but like I still struggle with anxiety and I still struggle with self-esteem and confidence um and you know I have ways that I cope that probably that are not the healthiest like I you know, I'm constantly busy because if I sit too long, I get anxious and insecure and all of those things. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm definitely still a very much like work in progress in that way. You and me both, girl. You and me both. Yeah. <laughs> um, where can people find out about your work? The best place to connect with me is on Instagram um, at your breakup bestie. And I, you can also find all of my offerings, podcast courses, um, coaching on my website, which is breakupbestie.com. We will put the links in the show notes. Final question. I just want to say before I um, ask the final question, because I like ending on that, but you have been the most amazing guest. It's been so nice to get to know oh, you like, inside this podcast episode. Um, and I hope at some point soon I can come over. I, my, I want to come over to America. And so I have to drive down to the OC because I've always wanted to go. I yes, I, I would love to meet you. This This is so fun. I love talking to I love talking to people where we get really real and get to, you know, I get to learn about you and we have a lot of similarities. So that always makes it really yeah. fun too. And are you allowed to say? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay, and go I am, on. Yes. I am expecting I'm due with a little boy November 18th. So oh, how exciting. That's my friend's birthday. Life's about to change. Yeah. Wow. 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 My goodness me. I'm so excited yeah. for you. Um, Yeah, you've been an amazing guest. Okay, so final piece of advice for the single women listening to this episode who haven't met their person yet and are worried they won't, what would you say to them, Kendra? Oh, um, I think my biggest piece of advice to someone that's single is live your life exactly as you want it to be. Live your life as loud as you want it to be. And if you're doing that, the right person will get plopped right in. Oh, I could not agree more. I bloody love that. And the one, the one other thing I like, sorry, one other thing I want to end on is the people that are afraid of their like biological clock and feeling like they're in this rush. I just always like to tell them my mom had me when she was 44. She had my little brother in her early fifties. Like it's possible. Yeah. So I just like to tell people that because I'm like, I 
Interesting. I always grew up never in a rush to have kids because yeah. I just had this great example. So I like to share my example with other people. Okay, that is that what we need to end on because that is another question I get asked all the time. And I get that it's a very real um, pain point, like deep, deep, deep pain point for women. Um, so I'm sure that that will be welcome news to too many women listening. Thank you so much, Kendra. You are wonderful. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. I really do hope these episodes help you find dates that become mates and flings that become things with men who are ready, willing, and able to actually commit. Please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and leave me a review if you're getting value from these episodes. This helps the podcast rank higher so it can reach other people who want or need the support. To have your question answered, send it over to podcast at persialawson.com and we'll get to it ASAP. See you next week, gorgeous. I release a new episode every Tuesday. But until then, remember, love is coming for you. So surrender to the festival that is life on planet Earth and trust that what misses you was not meant for you and what's meant for you will not miss you, including your soulmate.